Hey, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk. Welcome to all of you who are in this room with me uh, right here at the Brader Way site. Welcome to those of you who are watching on a screen, maybe in Gospel Fusions or Tradition. Welcome to those of you who are joining us at Blackhawk uh, Downtown and Blackhawk Fitchburg. And a special shout out goes to all the college students who are back uh, here in Madison. Hey, all sites and venues, let's hear it for the college students who are back. Awesome. Yes. Totally. We love you guys. We are a university community church, and we love you guys. So many of you are coming back, and so welcome back. And some of you, uh, you're coming for the very first time, and maybe this is your first Sunday at all at Blackhawk Church. So welcome uh, to Blackhawk. We are glad that you are checking us out. Hey, next uh, week, our senior pastor, Matt Mesker, will start a two-part series called Uniquely Us. And part of what Pastor Matt will be saying in that series is that we are a university community church, and we do love the city and uh, the university uh, here in Madison. But he'll talk a lot more about the kind of things that make us a unique church in this uh, day and age and how we're trying to join uh, God in his mission to reach the city and the world. These are two messages from Pastor Matt's heart, so you're not going to want to miss uh, those talks. But today, Labor Day Sunday weekend, you're stuck with me. <laughs> and uh, we, <laughs> thanks. thanks for that, thanks for that. You guys need to have low expectations. You have way too high of expectations. So uh, this is Labor Day uh, weekend, and so Labor Day means a lot of different things to different people. This is the close of our uh, summer series, and it's the close of summer, and uh, school is getting ready, and um, we're about ready to start a new season, fire up the barbecue, maybe tomorrow, get ready. You know, actually, when I think of the Labor Day weekend, something like this image comes in uh, to my mind. I feel like it's like the start of the race. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the calendar might say the start of the year is January, but in the way our lives run, September is really kind of the start of things. I see a bunch of people shaking their head like this. It feels like the start, because, you know, the summer break is over, vacations are over, except if you're old like me. So if you're old like me and my wife, we're just about ready to go on our vacation because we learned a long time ago that September is a great month to go on vacations if you're old. The reason is because none of you are there. <laughs> so we're heading to see the Sequoias in California, a big road trip in just a couple of weeks. But anyway, so don't go there because we're going there. <laughs> but I, feel, I just feel like there's, there's, this, uh, there's a little tension in the air. And there's a, it's just a pause before, boom, and there's work, 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 school, 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 do we see the weeks ahead the way everybody else sees the weeks ahead? As Christ followers, should we think of our week differently than the rest of the world? 
Well, the answer is yes. And it's not hard to think of a passage that demonstrates that. Take your Bibles and turn to the fourth of the Ten Commandments. And uh, it's a commandment about work and rest found in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20. Be reading from the New International Version. Goes like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh. Whenever you see capital L-O-R-D in all caps, it's the editor's way of talking about the personal name of God, which is Yahweh. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Two things I'd like to point out in this passage. It's been a lot of time on this one passage, but just two things I want to point out. The first thing I want to point out is that work and rest go together. This is a command about both work and rest. So six days you shall do all your work, six days, and the seventh day you're not to do any work. Work and rest go together. Like peanut butter and Salt and bacon and work and, yeah, work and rest go together. But we normally don't think of work and rest as going together. But according to this passage, they do. Second thing I want to point out is this. The reason that we should work and rest like this is because, what's the reason? God did. So this is, this four is the explanation. For in six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is, this is the only command of the Ten Commands that comes with an explanation. Here's the explanation. You're to do that because this is God's pattern. This is, this is what God did. When we work, and what goes with work? What goes with work? Rest. rest. Work and rest go together. It's not just work, 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 rest. The reason we do this is because God did. When we work and rest, we're imaging God. We're being like God. That's just weird. That's just plain weird. I mean, I don't know anybody who thinks this way. Somebody comes up to you and says, well, uh, why do you do your work? I'm trying to be like God. Nobody says that. Do you know anybody that talks like that? Hey, I noticed you're taking a day off today. Why are you doing that? Well, I'm just tired. No, 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 no. That's what we normally say. But the biblical answer is, why are you taking a day off today? I'm trying to be like God. That's why. Do you know anybody that talks like that? This is weird. Hey, you're resting today. Good for you. Well, trying to be like God. 
Hey, I noticed you're taking some time off. Good for you. Yeah, trying to be like God. Nobody thinks this way. So what I decided to do for the rest of this talk was to just talk in ways that nobody thinks. The rest of the talk is just weird. Because it's a rethinking of both work and rest. And I'm telling you, we don't think like the Bible speaks. But we need to rethink both work and what goes with work. We need to rethink them. So let's do some rethinking. First, let's rethink work. Rethink work. When I go to work, I bring God's temple to work. Weird. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Everybody look at my body. Everybody look at my body. <laughs> Temple of God. Right? Temple of God. No one thinks this way. You didn't get up this morning and look in the mirror and go, oh, temple of God. Nobody thinks this way. This is really strange. The way the world thinks is this building that I'm in right here on Brader Way. This building is the temple of God. And you religious people can do whatever you want in that building but don't take your religion outside of that building. The Bible thinks exactly the opposite of that. Because actually, this building is not a temple. This is a temple of God. When I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for my salvation, the Holy Spirit started to indwell me, and I became a temple of God. We have a bunch of mobile temples in this building right now. A bunch of mobile temples watching online. We are mobile temples, and whenever, wherever we go, we are like a temple of God, and we, we bring God's temple to work with us. Some of you are saying, whoa, 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 Pastor Chris, whoa, 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 whoa. That just sounds like something a pastor would say. I mean, if you ever worked in the real world, you'd know how stupid this is. Because, Pastor Chris, there's no way that if I stand up on my desk and say, behold, the temple of God, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I would be fired like that, Pastor Chris. I mean, just fired just like that. And I totally understand that. And you probably should be fired if you actually do that. I'm not telling you you should stand on your desk and say that. I'm telling you this is the way you should think. You should think this way. We segment God off from work. And that's not biblical. Because when we go to work, we're actually taking the temple of God to work with us. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's another weird thing. Rethink work. When I'm frustrated at work, I see it as an opportunity to grow spiritually. Nobody thinks this way. Life is difficult and at times it's overwhelming. And some of the most frustrating things that happen in our world are related to work. It's just when we're frustrated at work, we're just like, 
this is all, this is terrible. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe I'm supposed to do this. This is unethical. This is wrong. I can't believe we get so frustrated. We don't see it as an opportunity for spiritual growth. And it is. It's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit who indwells us <laughs> to demonstrate who he is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit comes out. and should come out in our, in our workplace because we're temples of the Holy Spirit. When we are frustrated at work, it's an opportunity for us to grow spiritually. All those frustrations that we I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates James 1. Eugene Peterson writes this. Consider it, this is James 1 in a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Spiritual formation process is called discipleship. Discipleship uh, the word disciple comes from a Greek word, mathetes. It means we get our word mathematics from it. It's the idea of learning. We're learning to be more like Jesus in our workplace. There was a, a man who was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California for 40 years named Dallas Willard. And he, he, he thought this way about the University of Southern California and the philosophy department. He writes, Dallas Willard, the place of discipleship is wherever I am now. It's wherever I am now and whatever I am doing now. If we don't understand that, then most of our life will be left out of the place of discipleship. It may be home. It may be work, play, or church. But discipleship should take place wherever I am now. When I go to work at USC and I walk into a class, that's my place of discipleship. That's the place where I am learning from Jesus how to do everything I do in the kingdom of God. And I am constantly learning it. And I am a long way from the end of the lesson. Sometimes I prefer that the lessons would stop, but they don't because life moves on and students are different and colleagues change. Wherever I am, that's where I do discipleship. Wherever I am, because wherever I go, temple of God goes with me. Somebody asked Dallas Willard once, how do you get Christianity in the corporate boardroom? He said, it's simple. Have a Christian walk into the boardroom and sit down. There's no other way. How do you get Christianity in your lab if you work at the university? It's simple. Go in, do your work. How do you get Christianity in the schools in Madison? Simple. Christians go in and do school. You don't have to pass any laws. You just be a Christian. And you work on your relationship with God wherever you are. It's a rethinking, a 
of work. Rethink work. So what am I saying about work? Rethinking? Here we go. When I go to work, I bring God's temple to work. When I am frustrated at work, I see it as an opportunity to grow spiritually. All right. Let's rethink. Let's rethink rest. Rethink rest. Let's look. When I rethink rest, when I stop working, I'm being like God. Let's go back to that passage in in Exodus. Go back to that passage. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The English word Sabbath translates this uh, Hebrew word, Shabbat. Shabbat means to stop and to cease. It's, um, it's not the idea that God uh, worked and then he was tired. It's the idea that God worked and he stopped. That's the key thing. So you work, you may not be tired, but then you stop and then you work again and then you stop. And it's this stopping, this ceasing. When we do that, we're being like God. Work and rest go together. But many of us are just and no rest. Work, stop. Work, stop. So let's take a look at uh, your month of September. Here's your month right here. Everybody's the same month. Looks the same. So see how this pattern, how many of you, when you look at a calendar, think of God? It's his invention, actually. He invented that week. We still have that in our calendars. But it's, it's not just a string of days. The segments are divided. You see that? You've got weeks there. And so you work six of those days, and you stop working on another day. To the people that Moses was writing to in Exodus, that was their Sabbath was their Saturday. For many of us, it's Sunday. Because if you're in ministry, like my life has been, you don't Sunday's not a rest day. You have to find another day. You have to doesn't matter what day. You work six, and then you stop working. It's that stopping, that pausing, that gives meaning to the hecticness of our life. Let me illustrate that. Here's a, a famous passage in scripture, which makes no sense because there's no space. But then as uh, you intentionally add space to this mess, this famous passage becomes clearer. You add space between the letters. Yeah. And then space between the words. And then you add space between the lines. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He does that when we intentionally put space in our lives. It's that space is key. It's not just the notes that make music. It's the notes interplaying with space that makes music. It's the the most important key on any of your devices as you type. It's the key that you hit more than any other key as the space bar. If you don't hit that space bar, whatever you're texting, whatever you're typing makes no sense. How are you guys doing? You follow me? I feel like I'm yelling at you guys. You get it? <laughs> space. Well, the reason I'm yelling is because I'm not very good at it myself. Pretty bad at it, actually. You know, as we put these talks together on the teaching team, we worked in a collaborative effort. So there's a team of us that work together. These talks are done weeks ahead of time, and we push back, and it's a collaborative effort. And so we're putting this talk together, and I was coming to this part about rest. And I had something all written out. I'm sure it was good. (laughs) And the teaching team pushed back, and they said, did you do that when you were like the senior pastor? Oh, like, get serious with me here now. Because for like 38 years, I was a senior pastor at either one church or another. 60, 70 hours a week. And I was pretty bad at it. And the teaching team said, yeah, talk about that. Talk about when you failed and how you weren't any good at it. You want me to talk about that? I can talk about that all day long. My wife could come up here and talk and lecture all day long about how bad I was at, at the intentional space. Now that I'm emeritus, it's a different world now. Pray for Pastor Matt. He has a hard, very hard job. So this woman do. This continues the weirdness of the talk. I'm going to talk about, um, looking back on my life, what I would have done differently. Because I'm not very good at resting. First point. I would not be driven by the tyranny of the urgent. And in my world of ministry, it's just always, always happening. Something is wrong someplace with someone, many people, all the time. Tyranny of the urgent. It drives, drives me. Tyranny of the urgent. It was actually, and I'm not trying to offend Blackhawk Church, it was actually worse when I was a pastor in Shreveport, Louisiana for 10 years before I came here. It was a smaller church. We had no staff. A church of about 100, 110, no staff. And we had those little picture directories, you know, with books, those kind of things. And everybody in the church had my phone number. Do you have my phone number? <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> Small church pastor, everybody has a phone number. And everybody's calling me all the time, all the time. I had a friend named Bill who was a missionary surgeon in the remote part of Nigeria. He visited us while we were in a pastor in Shreveport. And uh, he saw how hectic my life was. And then he said to me, you know, Chris, when I go on vacation, people die. And I, th- I just thought, huh? You know, like, huh? like a metaphor, figure of speech. No, 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 no. 
There's no other surgeons. There's no other surgeons around for hundreds and hundreds of miles. When I take a break, people literally die. So how can you, how can you justify that? How can you possibly take a break? Because if I don't take a break, I'll wear myself out completely, and I'll have no doctor, and I'll be worse off. I have to take a break. You have to take a break. You're killing yourself. I would not have been driven so much by the tyranny of the urgent. And there's, it's always happening. What else would I have done? I would have learned to say no more. No more. And probably upset a bunch of people at the same time. <laughs> it's just the role of a leader. So um, I, I read a book uh, late in my ministry, which I'd read earlier. It's this book by Mil, uh, Greg McCowan called Essentialism. And I've recommended this book before. I love the front cover uh, graphic there. Uh, a couple of my best friends helped me put some lessons together from his uh, book, and um, they kindly put it, uh, this, this is a work of intervention, they actually put it uh, in, a, in a card, and I actually put it in front of my desk. I still have it in front of my desk, and it really helped me learn how to say no uh, more because I wasn't any good at it. And so here is uh, this card. If you've suffered with the same problem I had, you might want to take your phones out and take a picture of this slide right now. Questions to ask before saying yes. Is it heck yes? If not, say no. You know, people are always asking for something. If it's heck yes, yes. If it's not a heck yes, say no. What is the compelling reason to say yes? Just think about that. Is there someone else who could do this as well or better? And especially my job as a senior leader, my big part of my job is to develop and train other people, give them real power and authority and get out of the way. But a lot of times you don't do that. You feel like you should always do the work. No, 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 no. Somebody else. What will it result in terms of time and follow-up? What are the unintended consequences? You know, as you're talking on the phone, somebody's asking you to do something. You look at this list and you go, what are the unintended consequences here? If guilt is the only reason, it's not a good reason. Pastors are driven by guilt. Maybe you are too. What happens if I say no and think that through? Little thing that helped me, maybe it'll help you. The last thing uh, that I uh, didn't do very well and I should have done a lot better is uh, set aside times of silence and solitude. I would practice that more. This is what Jesus did. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1. Or just watch off the screen. Mark 1 verse 32. This is uh, kind of a synopsis of a day in his life. It's right at the end of a Sabbath. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. 
And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Yeah, no kidding. So who's the everyone here? So scholars tell us this is in Capernaum. Scholars tell us that Capernaum is a town about 1,500 back in those days. So I don't think Mark is saying all 1,500 people were at the door, but the, the sense is there's a lot of people there, and they're waiting for him. And how does Jesus respond? They all have needs, and he can solve every one of their needs like that. How does he respond? He gets up early, very early, before everybody else, and he goes, finds a solitary place to pray. Now, I'm assuming he did this without coffee. Because <laughs> according to legend, Coffee wasn't discovered for another 800 years when an Ethiopian herdsman found out that when his goats ate a particular bean, they had more energy. Makes me respect Jesus even more. There's no way I'm wake up early without coffee. I didn't eat coffee. He had no coffee. And he gets up and he goes to a solitary place. Even though the tyranny of the urgent was all around him. And this is not a one-off. He did this over and over again. We read in Luke 5. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often did this. It's just part of his lifestyle. I didn't do it enough. How are you doing with this? Do you regularly get off to places to pray, to be silent? So that's what I would suggest to you. Find a place and do this on a regular basis. Get away. Be silent. Pray. Some of you have never done that. It's pretty simple, actually. First, you just find a place. Well, where? Where am I going to find? What is a place? Well, this is a good place, actually. It's Brader Way Building. Absolutely. I mean, staffed most of the time. You just come over here. You don't have to call us. Just come over here. Got a big atrium. Got a prayer room. Fitchburg Building is not staffed uh, all the time. Don't go there. Upper House is staffed all the time. The downtown site. Go there. Welcome to go there anytime. I just talked to uh, the director of the Upper House this week. He said, yeah, just tell him anytime. Just come. What should he take with you? Well, take a pillow, maybe, if you're tired. Lay down on the floor. It's okay. Take a Bible. Take a journal. Stop. Oh, I don't know what I would do, Pastor. I wouldn't know what I, I don't know how I'd fill up the time. It's easy, you guys. Just don't listen to one of your devices. Just turn on notifications and just stop. Maybe you want to read a passage of the Bible. What passage would be a good passage? Do you guys know what passage I'm going to go to right now? Here's a good passage, Proverbs 3. Have you guys seen this before? Yeah, this was your assignment. I gave it last June. 
Remember this? Let's say this together with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's a good passage to memorize when you have some time away. That's, that totally works. Here's a book that uh, came out right before the pandemic by John Mark Comer. Uh, I love the title, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Some of you are saying, Pastor Chris is just like not real. You just know, don't understand my life. I couldn't possibly do that. I got kids all the time. I can't possibly do this kind of thing. Trade with someone who's in your situation. You watch their kids while they go off for a time of silence and solitude, and they watch your kids while you have a time. It shouldn't cost anything. Just find someone else who's in your similar situation. If, you're, uh, if, you, if you run your place of work, are you helping your employees do this kind of thing, to have a time off for solitude and silence? It's what Jesus did. He hit the space bar on a regular basis. Even when he could meet all the needs, he hit the space bar because his need to be with his father was greater than his need to heal all the people. Okay, here we are. Boom. Get ready. Go. How are we going to do these next few weeks? Are we going to be like the rest of the world and just work, 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 go, school, 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 Or are we going to rethink, be weird, rethink the way we work and rethink the way we rest? Here's a prayer that I wrote that I thought might be a prayer for all of us as we are at the starting line and ready to take off. And uh, you just have to trust me. Thought about it. I think it makes sense. Pray this together with me. Everybody reading together out loud. Heavenly Father, help me as I get ready to start this new year. Help me to see my place of work as a place of discipleship where I can learn from you as I do my work. May my work be used by you to further your redemptive purposes in the world and to enhance the common good for our community. And may you help me hit the space bar more and more in my life. May you help me be as intentional about finding rest and solitude as Jesus was. Give me the discipline and wisdom to learn how to say no so that I can say yes to the things that will help me become more and more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, for the sake of his reputation, all people said, amen. amen.